Welcome back, everyone, to Anna Sewell's Black Beauty. Today, chapters 26 through 28. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and this is 1001 Greatest Love Stories. And now, chapter 26, How It Ended. It must have been nearly midnight when I heard at a great distance the sound of a horse's feet. Sometimes the sound died away, then it grew clearer again and nearer. The road to Urshall led through the woods that belonged to the Earl. The sound came in that direction, and I hoped it might be someone coming in search of us. As the sound came nearer and nearer, I was almost sure I could distinguish Ginger's step. A little nearer still, and I could tell she was in the dog cart. I neighed loudly, and was overjoyed to hear the answering neigh from Ginger, and men's voices. They came slowly over the stones, and stopped at the dark figure that lay upon the ground. One of the men jumped out, and stooped down over it. "'It's Reuben,' he said, "'and he does not stir.' The other man followed, and bent over him. "'He's dead,' he said. "'Feel how cold his hands are.' They raised him up, but there was no life, and his hair was soaked with blood. They laid him down again, and came and looked at me. They soon saw my cut knees. "'Why, the horse has been down and thrown him. "'Who would have thought the black horse could have done that? "'Nobody thought he could fall. "'Reuben must have been lying here for hours. "'Odd, too, that the horse has not moved from the place.' "'Robert then attempted to lead me forward. "'I made a step, but almost fell again. "'Hello! "'He's bad in his foot as well as his knees. "'Look here! "'His hoof has cut all to pieces. "'He might well come down, poor fellow. "'I tell you what, Ned.' "'I'm afraid it hasn't been all right with Reuben. "'Just think of his riding a horse over these stones without a shoe. "'Why, if he'd been in his right senses, "'he would just as soon have tried to ride him over the moon. "'I'm afraid it has been the old thing over again. "'Poor Susan. "'She looked awfully pale when she came to my house "'to ask if he had not come home. "'She made believe she was not a bit anxious "'and talked of a lot of things that might have kept him. "'But for all that, she begged me to go and meet him.' "'But what must we do? "'There's the horse to get home, as well as the body, "'and that will be no easy matter.' "'Then followed a conversation between them, "'till it was agreed that Robert, as the groom, "'should lead me, and that Ned must take the body. "'It was a hard job to get it into the dog-cart, "'for there was no one to hold Ginger, "'but she knew as well as I did what was going on, "'and stood as still as a stone. "'I noticed that because, if she had a fault,' "'It was that she was impatient in standing. "'Ned started off very slowly with his sad load, "'and Robert came and looked at my foot again. "'Then he took his handkerchief and bound it closely round, "'and so he led me home. "'I shall never forget that night walk. "'It was more than three miles. "'Robert led me on very slowly, "'and I limped and hobbled on as well as I could with great pain. "'I am sure he was sorry for me, "'for he often patted and encouraged me, "'talking to me in a pleasant voice. "'At last I reached my own box "'and had some corn, "'and after Robert had wrapped up my knees in wet cloths, "'he tied up my foot in a bran poultice "'to dry out the heat "'and cleanse it before the horse doctor saw it in the morning. "'And I managed to get myself down on the straw "'and slept in spite of the pain. "'The next day, after the farrier had examined my wounds, "'he said he hoped the joint was not injured, "'and if so, I should not be spoiled for work, "'but I should never lose the blemish.' I believe they did the best to make a good cure, 
but it was a long and painful one. Proud flesh, as they called it, came up in my knees, and was burned out with caustic, and when at last it was healed, they put a blistering fluid over the front of both knees to bring all the hair off. They had some reason for this, and I suppose it was all right. As Smith's death had been so sudden, and no one was there to see it, there was an inquest held. The landlord and hostler at the White Lion, with several other people, gave evidence that he was intoxicated when he started from the inn. The keeper of the toll gate said he rode at a hard gallop through the gate, and my shoe was picked up among the stones, so that the case was quite plain to them, and I was cleared of all blame. Everybody pitied Susan. She was nearly out of her mind. She kept saying over and over again, "'Oh, he was so good! So good!' "'It was all that cursed drink. "'Why will they sell that cursed drink? "'Oh, Reuben! Reuben!' "'So she went on till after he was buried, "'and then, as she had no home or relations, "'she, with her six little children, "'was obliged once more to leave the pleasant home "'by the tall oak trees "'and go into that great, gloomy union house. "'We'll return with chapters 27 and 28, "'right after these sponsor messages.' And now chapter 27, Ruined and Going Downhill. As soon as my knees were sufficiently healed, I was turned into a small meadow for a month or two. No other creature was there, and though I enjoyed the liberty and the sweet grass, yet I had been so long used to society that I felt very lonely. Ginger and I had become fast friends, and now I missed her company extremely. I often neighed when I heard horses' feet passing in the road, but I seldom got an answer. "'till one morning the gate was opened, "'and who should come in but dear old Ginger. "'The man slipped off her halter and left her there. "'With a joyful whinny I trotted up to her. "'We were both glad to meet, "'but I soon found that it was not for our pleasure "'that she was brought in to be with me. "'Her story would be too long to tell, "'but the end of it was that she had been ruined by hard riding "'and was now turned off to see what rest would do.' Lord George was young and would take no warning. He was a hard rider and would hunt whenever he could get the chance, quite careless of his horse. Soon after I left the stable there was a steeplechase, and he determined to ride. Though the groom told him she was a little strained and was not fit for the race, he did not believe it, and on the day of the race urged Ginger to keep up with the foremost riders. With her high spirit she strained herself to the utmost, she came in with the first three horses, but her wind was touched, besides which he was too heavy for her, and her back was strained. And so, she said, here we are, ruined in the prime of our youth and strength, you by a drunkard, and I by a fool. It is very hard. We both felt in ourselves that we were not what we had been. However, that did not spoil the pleasure we had in each other's company. We did not gallop about as we once did, but we used to feed, and lie down together, and stand for hours under one of the shady lime trees with our heads close to each other, and so we passed our time till the family returned from town. One day we saw the Earl come into the meadow, and York was with him. Seeing who it was, we stood still under our lime tree, and let them come up to us. They examined us carefully. The Earl seemed much annoyed. "'There is three hundred pounds flung away for no earthly use,' said he. "'But what I care most for is that these horses of my old friend, "'who thought they would find a good home with me, are ruined. 
"'The mare shall have a twelve months' run, "'and we shall see what that will do for her. "'But the black one? "'He must be sold. "'Tis a great pity, "'but I could not have knees like these in my stables.' "'No, my lord, of course not,' said York. "'But he might get a place where appearance is not of much consequence, "'and still be well treated. "'I know a man in Bath, "'the master of some livery stables, "'who often wants a good horse at a low figure. "'I know he looks well after his horses.' "'The inquest cleared the horse's character, "'and your lordship's recommendation, or mine, "'would be sufficient warrant for him. "'You'd better write to him, York. "'I should be more particular about the place "'than the money he would fetch. "'After this they left us. "'They'll soon take you away,' said Ginger, "'and I shall lose the only friend I have, "'and most likely we shall never see each other again. "'Tis a hard world.' "'About a week after this, Robert came into the field with a halter, "'which he slipped over my head, and led me away. "'There was no leave-taking of Ginger. "'We neighed to each other as I was let off, "'and she trotted anxiously along by the hedge, "'calling to me as long as she could hear the sound of my feet. "'Through the recommendation of York, "'I was bought by the master of the livery stables. "'I had to go by train, which was new to me, "'and required a good deal of courage the first time.' "'but as I found the puffing, rushing, whistling, "'and, more than all, the trembling of the horse-box "'in which I stood did me no real harm, "'I soon took it quietly. "'When I reached the end of my journey, "'I found myself in a tolerably comfortable stable, "'and well attended to. "'These stables were not so airy and pleasant "'as those I'd been used to. "'The stalls were laid on a slope instead of being level, "'and as my head was kept tied to the manger, "'I was obliged always to stand on the slope.' "'which was very fatiguing. "'Men do not seem to know yet "'that horses can do more work "'if they can stand comfortably "'and can turn about. "'However, I was well-fed and well-cleaned, "'and on the whole, "'I think our master took as much care of us as he could. "'He kept a good many horses and carriages "'of different kinds for hire. "'Sometimes his own men drove them. "'At others, the horse and chaise "'were let to gentlemen or ladies "'who drove themselves.' CHAPTER Twenty Eight: A JOB HORSE AND HIS DRIVERS Hitherto I had always been driven by people who at least knew how to drive, but in this place I was to get my experience of all the different kinds of bad and ignorant driving to which we horses are subjected. For I was a job horse, and was let out to all sorts of people who wished to hire me, and as I was good-tempered and gentle, I think I was oftener let out to the ignorant drivers than some of the other horses, "'because I could be depended upon. "'It would take a long time to tell of all the different styles "'in which I was driven, but I will mention a few of them. First, there were the tight rein drivers, "'men who seemed to think that all depended on holding the reins "'as hard as they could, never relaxing the pull on the horse's mouth, "'or giving them the least liberty of movement. "'They are always talking about keeping the horse well in hand "'and holding a horse up, "'just as if a horse was not made to hold himself up.' "'Some poor, broken-down horses, "'whose mouths have been made hard and insensible "'by just such drivers as these, "'may perhaps find some support in it. "'But for a horse who can depend upon his own legs, "'and who has a tender mouth and is easily guided, "'it is not only tormenting, it's just stupid. "'Then there are the loose-rein drivers, "'who let the reins lie easily on our backs, "'and their own hand rest lazily on their knees. "'Of course,' "'Such gentlemen have no control over a horse, "'if anything happens suddenly. 
If a horse shies, or starts, or stumbles, they are nowhere, and cannot help the horse or themselves till the mischief is done. Of course, for myself, I had no objection to it, as I was not in the habit either of starting or stumbling, and had only been used to depend on my driver for guidance and encouragement. Still, one likes to feel the rain a little in going downhill, and likes to know that one's driver has not gone to sleep. Besides, a slovenly way of driving gets a horse into bad and often lazy habits, and when he changes hands he has to be whipped out of them with more or less pain and trouble. Squire Gordon always kept us to our best paces and our best manners. He said that spoiling a horse and letting him get into bad habits was just as cruel as spoiling a child, and both had to suffer for it afterward. Besides, these drivers are often careless altogether, and will attend to anything else more than their horses. I went out in the phaeton one day with one of them. He had a lady and two children behind. He flopped the reins about as we started, and of course gave me several unmeaning cuts with the whip, though I was fairly off. There had been a good deal of road-mending going on, and even where the stones were not freshly laid down, there were a great many loose ones about. My driver was laughing and joking with the lady and the children, and talking about the country to the right and to the left, but he never thought it worth while to keep an eye on his horse, or to drive on the smoothest parts of the road, and so it easily happened that I got a stone in one of my forefeet. Now, if Mr. Gordon or John, or in any fact any good driver, had been there, he would have seen that something was wrong before he had gone three paces. Or even if it had been dark, a practiced hand would have felt by the rain that there was something wrong in the step, and they would have got down and picked out the stone. But this man went on laughing and talking, while at every step the stone became more firmly wedged between my shoe and the frog of my foot. The stone was sharp on the inside and round on the outside, which, as everyone knows, is the most dangerous kind that a horse can pick up, at the same time cutting his foot and making him most liable to stumble and fall. Whether the man was partly blind or only very careless, I can't say, but he drove me with that stone in my foot for a good half-mile before he saw anything. By that time I was going so lame with the pain that at last he saw it and called out, "'Well, here's a go. Why, they've sent us out with a lame horse. What a shame!' He then chucked the reins and flipped about with the whip, saying, "'Now then, it's no use playing the old soldier with me. There's the journey to go, and it's no use turning lame and lazy.' Just at this time a farmer came riding up on a brown cob. He lifted his hat and pulled up. "'I beg your pardon, sir,' he said, "'but I think there is something the matter with your horse. "'He goes very much as if he had a stone in his shoe. "'If you will allow me, I will look at his feet. "'These loose scattered stones are confounded dangerous things for the horses.' "'He's a hired horse,' said my driver. "'I don't know what's the matter with him, "'but it's a great shame to send out a lame beast like this.' "'The farmer dismounted, and slipping his rein over his arm, "'at once took up my near foot.' "'Bless me, there's a stone. Lame? I should think so.' At first he tried to dislodge it with his hand, but as it was now very tightly wedged, he drew a stone pick out of his pocket, and very carefully, and with some trouble, got it out. Then holding it up, he said, "'There, that's the stone your horse had picked up. It's a wonder he didn't fall down and break his knees into the bargain.' "'Well, to be sure,' said my driver, "'that's a queer thing.' 
"'I never knew that horses picked up stones before.' "'Didn't you?' said the farmer, rather contemptuously. "'But they do, though, and the best of them will do it, "'and can't help it sometimes on such roads as these. "'And if you don't want to lame your horse, "'you must look sharp and get them out quickly. "'This foot is very much bruised,' he said, "'setting it gently down and patting me. "'If I might advise, sir, "'you had better drive him gently for a while.' The foot is a good deal hurt, and the lameness will not go off directly. Then mounting his cob and raising his hat to the lady, he trotted off. When he was gone, my driver began to flop the reins about and whip the harness, by which I understood that I was to go on, which of course I did, glad that the stone was gone, but still in a good deal of pain. This was the sort of experience we job horses often came in for. Thanks for joining us for these three chapters of Black Beauty by Anna Sewell. We have had some reviews that I wanted to share with you. Really enjoying Black Beauty, five stars, 1001 Greatest Love Stories. Love the story of Black Beauty, a classic story, and John tells it so well. I look forward to hear the stories while I'm driving and stuck in traffic in Manhattan. Keep up the great podcast, John. That one from John, Yonkers, New York. And this one, Black Beauty, five stars. I've recently been listening to Black Beauty. I love it. Horses are my favorite animal, and I used to ride a lot when I was young, and I observed a number of abusive riders and owners. My blood would boil, and I got into a lot of arguments. All animal books are a hit with me. As always, love the expressive and excellent reading. That one from Lige, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, 1001 Greatest Love Stories, five stars. Love the 1001 short stories, particularly O. Henry and Bret Hart. And now I'm listening to Black Beauty at 1001 Greatest Love Stories and look forward to each new installment. John's voice and narration are wonderful. That one from Mary, A.G., Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you all so very much for taking the time to send us these reviews. They're greatly appreciated. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Greatest Love Stories. We're currently doing Black Beauty by Anna Sewell. Until next time, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.